everybody i'm peter and you could smell me from a mile away he's small creepy and dangerous it's mike welcome to rebels rebels the podcast that explores the star wars expanded universe do an episode by episode deep dive into the star wars animated series rebels and our guest today is you know she's not even a guest she's family at this point true i'm just it's jonah marie Hey, hey! You know, I you could say that I'm I'm kin. I'm I'm, I'm kin. Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's why we bring you on. Already coming out the door with the deep thoughts. <laughs> All right. Before we jump into this, though, I want everyone to say the name of the gray bad guy. The gray bad guy. <laughs> yeah. The What's gr- the name yeah. of the gray bad guy that I want Ruck. Mike to go Ruck. first? Oh, okay, that was actually pretty good. Oh. <laughs> there it is. There we go. I say rah. <laughs> but of course, the the one, the person who does it best is Thrawn himself. Yeah, exactly. You did you did a pretty good job though. It was like you you did a semester abroad on Rock's whole planet, and you like learned the accent. Cool. Um, I am ready to jump into this. I'm excited to get into Kindred. This is when things start getting a little fun and weird. Mike, are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Jonah Marie, you ready? I'm ready for the weirdness. Let's get weird then and mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode five of season four, Kindred. So Ezra, Jaikel, and Zeb move to secure the TIE Defender's hyperdrive before the Imperial Recovery Team can, but Thrawn has already dispatched an additional helper for the search. (laughs) An assassin, an unerringly accurate tracker. As Zeb takes the hyperdrive to safety, Ezra and Jai end up being chased by Ruck. They elude him with much difficulty, but a tracking beacon is attached to the speeder and leads Governor Price back to the Ghost Crew's hideout, while Hera and Chopper evacuate to Yavin with the stolen flight recorder. The rest of the Rebels face the incoming Imperials to cover their retreat. Just before the two groups clash, the White Loth Wolf appears and leads them into a hidden tunnel complex imbued with the Force. Walking mysterious paths, the rebels inexplicably find themselves in a hidden settlement halfway across the planet, which was visited in ancient times by the Jedi who erected the secret temple on Lothal and discovered that the Lothwolf is a messenger of the Force, here to tell them a more of a more sinister goal pursued by the Empire. Gasp. Yeah. Gasp. That's, so that's what happens. Let's jump into this episode. Gasp. Nice. <laughs> so I think a good starting point is this conversation right up top where Hera and Kanan are chit chatting and they are talking about whether or not they were destined to meet Ezra. Mm-hmm. Kanan responds non committally um, because they were there before they knew Ezra. But I think that's a little bit of an open ended question and kind of a fun thing to contemplate. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I really love the title of this episode because it relates to family and finding something similar or related, and so it makes you wonder who the title's referring to, and to me, it's Kanan, and Kanan has these significant ties to Lothal that seem to be beyond Ezra and the little missions that they've done here and there. And I especially love the the music track to to this episode and how mm. it's called Kanan's Past. Mm. And I think that's really important for Kanan's backstory, which I don't think was fleshed out because they had to cut out a lot of things from these from these final episodes. Yeah. For the record, Merriam-Webster's dictionary <laughs> defines kindred as of a similar nature or character or of same ancestry. Uh-huh. See? <laughs> See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that point. I think that's a good point. Um, and 
trying to think, like really thinking about this and the next couple episodes um, of the family dynamics, because I think they're really starting to hammer that home. Um, and that's some of the stuff that really affects me coming up. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to unmuddy the water of my thoughts here because mm-hmm. I, I don't think just, just personal opinion. I don't think everything happens for a reason in our life, not in the star Wars life, but I think there is some randomness. I think, there is the potential that things are pulled towards one another almost magnetically by, I don't know, not fate, but you know, some similarity shared or some, I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in fate. (laughs) Oh, nice. Real men make their own luck. Um, but I I don't know. So I, I, it boils down to, I, I don't think things are, are, are meant to happen because in my mind that implies that we're, we don't have control of our lives at the kind of at the base of it of, mm-hmm. that it's just what will happen is meant to happen. And I think that's just almost a really unfair. I, I It almost feels unfair. Like, okay, so like whole populations of people were meant to never, I don't know. Yeah. It, no, it I just, get what you mean. Yeah. It's really unfair when you think about it. Yeah. It, it just, yeah. it feels weird because yeah, I don't know. So it's like, okay, so if you're not a white male, basically you're screwed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with Star Wars, and you know, were we were with the Force? Were they meant to come together? Well, everything is the Force, kind of, right? Yeah. And so I, I think they're pulled. I mean, this is totally me painting my life over this. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think they were are pulled together because of their you know higher attunement to the Force. But were they destined to meet? I hope not. Um, well, I, I think I there's, I mean, you're, you're opening a door that's way bigger. It's than the, yeah. It's the predestination I, door. I'm, I'm willing to think about right now yeah. this time in morning, but that's fine. I think that's that the fine. general push and pull of, you know, fate and yeah, predestination. Um, and a big philosophical question about the unfairness of fate, even though a lot of people get comfort in the fact that, you know, I'm not picking on any one person, but just the general idea of like, God has a plan or this is in God's hands. Like in a certain sense, that's really unfair and takes away <laughs> yeah. a lot of agency from people. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of always been an interesting dynamic, but in the star Wars universe, I think my interpretation of a lot of the force stuff is that the force has a will not It's I don't think it's like a actual, like there's a big, like, you know, man with a beard, that's like, I control the force and this is what I want. But I think the way that the force naturally flows through the galaxy has kind of a balance it wants. It has a direction and kind of the flow of the force may have pushed them towards kindred, being kindred um, by bringing them to Lothal. But mm-hmm. you still have the agency to say no. Like okay. that's what a lot of Star Wars and being a Jedi is, is they're letting go to the will of the force. You know, mm-hmm. Kanan could have made a different decision and gone somewhere else. And that probably would have not ended up well for him. Mm. Um, and they've learned to trust in the force and kind of go with the flow, man. Okay. Does that make any sense? I feel it like totally like, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I was like being all hippie, like, no. yo, man, the universe, we're all connected. No, the force definitely has a, <laughs> a will of its own and mm-hmm. depends on the person whether they want to adhere to what the force is telling them to do or completely go against it. And I guess that falls under the under thing of uh, being selfless and selfish, you know, yeah. you, if you turn away from it and do your own thing, you're, you're following a more selfish path. Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. And I think that we, we brought up this, this kind of conversation that George Lucas gave when he was planning the prequels. And he has a video where he talks about that and he used that exact word is the dark side is selfishness. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless. One is selfish because when you get selfish, you get stuff or you want stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you want stuff and you get stuff, then you get are afraid somebody's going to take it away from you, whether it's a person or a thing. Or once you become afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you, or you're going to lose it, then you start to become angry, and that anger 
leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering, mostly on the part of the person who's selfish. Anakin has an attachment. Anakin doesn't want to lose Padme. And maybe that's just the natural progression of life is that what happened to Padme is irreversible and it's sad and it would be much harder to deal with the sadness and try to get over that than it would be to try to save her life by being selfish and evil. Mm. Um, and I think that's more of what this destiny thing is to me in the force instead of like something specifically like Kanan's mm -hmm. story is already written and yeah. he has no choice. You know what I mean? I mean, he could have had a choice at some point. Yeah. Um, especially when yeah. uh, that episode where he uh, is going towards Lothal to save Hera on his own yeah. and Lothwolf totally. stops him and Lothwolf is acting on behalf of the Force. It's a manifestation mm. of the Force. So it stops mm. him and uh, Kanan could have just gone in on his own and just completely disregarded what the Force was asking him to do in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But, you know... Mm. Things go a certain way, and you just got to deal with them. <laughs> yeah. I think what you're trying to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but shit happens. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but, yeah. but, yeah, in those in those initial moments of the episode, um, I also like what Henry Gilroy had mentioned um, in, a, in a, I think it was at Dragon Con at one year, but he was talking about how... Uh, when Hera finds him meditating on the fields, uh, you know, there's this time cut or dissolve after that or something like that. Mm. And, and he, it, it quote, he said, a lot of things can happen in a dissolve. <laughs> and this is where supposedly um, Jason Sindula might have been <laughs> conceived. <laughs> nice! <laughs> Just had to throw that out there for the Canera folks. Uh, I like that. Um, where really did cool. J where did the name Jason come from? Yeah, that's the thing. I think I think Dave had mentioned that um, it was like a paying homage to the Jason character in Legends. Yeah, Jason uh, Solo. Yeah, Jason Solo. Yeah, so I think that was it. But some fans like to read it as uh, what's it? Uh, the sin part, like the Jason pronunciation, could be like Sindula and. Mm. Uh, Jace, uh, Jarrus could be. Yeah. So some fans like to interpret it that way instead mm. of relying on legends. <laughs> Interesting. I like that too. Speaking of which, do we just want to talk about this big smoocherino? Not gross. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we're jumping forward a little bit, but it is probably the, <laughs> the second most important thing that happens. First or second. Maybe tied for what the most important thing that happened yeah. in this episode is. Yeah. Hera is finally, when they're on the planet, they are approached and they're having this pretty interesting conversation about whether or not Hera has given enough to the rebellion and they kiss. Yeah. 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 It's funny because in my notes, I actually have in capital letters, Canera kiss and a little <laughs> yeah. heart emoticon right next to it. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I just really love how Hera just started going about her business as, you know, we got stuff to do and Kanan's just totally wrapped up in what just, mm -hmm. you know, initially happened during this episode. He's like, you know, we, we, we did it. <laughs> Doesn't that change <laughs> anything for you? Like, yeah. I, I just like really love that, that dynamic in this episode and how it really just, um, brings out who they are, um, at the core of the, of their personalities. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think um, the other thing I want to bring up is we've talked about this before is just have, you know, things been earned in the series. For me, that's a very, you know, character motivation, like where play people are in their lives at this point. And I think this this kiss was completely earned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially four seasons worth. Yeah. Yeah. Almost too earned. Almost too, Ralph. <gasps> Look, it's Raph. Yeah. A little too rough. Oh, too rough. No, but like it, it's because it's it's totally earned and you want it. But in a way, for me, it's almost like watching your parents kiss or something. <laughs> because which I know is weird, but it's like they're 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 together. They felt together. They felt mm -hmm. you throughout these the whole series. You felt that the their love, um, and it's almost like. 
this moment is like we're seeing them without the kids on like their first date in a year because <laughs> it's just been, you know, he's working too much and, you know, she's, yeah. and she's, you know, been focusing on her career and it's like, uh, so it's like, oh wow, the parents are like reconnecting and remembering why they're together. But I mean, it's, it's more than that. I'm, I'm oversimplifying this. No, I think that's a good choice because yeah. I mean, Jonah Marie, you probably know more about the actual history of what happened, but you know, I've always had the sense that, they were more explicitly romantic at one point and then yeah, work kind of came up and they made a conscious decision of like, Hey, we need to focus on this. So let's cool it on the kissy kissy. (laughs) You know, I want to say that that was the case, but it's been, I think um, either John Jackson Miller or um, Dave Filoni or even Vanessa Marshall have said that, they really were never in- intimate and you know it was always oh, the mission first yeah i mean some fans obviously like to yeah. write fanfic like of this happening or that happening <laughs> but, i'm not going to read you know, that yeah. <laughs> i don't want to read i don't want to read fanfic you know, that'll be know, our bonus weird. episode some really steamy canera <laughs> yeah. fanfic oh, our only fans bonus episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing yeah and then oh yeah that would be fun to read out loud <laughs> but yeah yeah they they've mentioned that they never really had that intimate relationship and that it was always the rebellion first and what they can do uh, out there um but Mm -hmm. but i like that i i I like that um the fact that they were never really involved because then it, it just really hits home the whole you know the regret feeling that she has like she it, it's more of like, I guess a, you could say it's a lesson, you know, not to be so focused that you forget to live life. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I'm glad that you, you brought that knowledge because I was never actually sure about that. Um, mm. And that makes it kind of more tragic, yeah. but then more sweet in the end. Yeah. It's mm. very oh, bittersweet. Very, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Bittersweet and complex, which I like. I like, I like complexity and nuance in my relationships in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the best, it's the best romantic relationship in Star Wars. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't think of one that's even close to this. I mean, good. Luke and Leia. <laughs> oh, Luke and Leia, Luke and Leia, to me, I just like, I never really felt that, uh, that they were equals. Nah, she was always <laughs> just playing with them to get to Han. That's what it always felt like. Like in the, you know, like in the medical bay on, in Empire, that kiss was so like, I was like, oh man, you just got used. What about, <laughs> what about Dexter and Flo? What? Dexter from Dexter's Diner and Flo, oh, the robot geez. waitress. You know, oh. <laughs> The one who says, do you want a cup of Jawa juice? Yeah. <laughs> They're smooching all over the place. You know yeah. that. <laughs> so funny. His pants aren't falling down for natural reasons. What? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> I saw you smooching my brother. <laughs> Remember uh, Home Alone? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. You filthy animal. <laughs> and he names all the people. You. Uh, little Cliff. Joe with a gimp. <laughs> That was sorry. <laughs> um, it's near Christmas, so I'm thinking yeah. about this movie. So we've got Home Alone on the mind. Yeah, naturally, we've got Home Alone on the mind. Yeah. Um, the two other big things that I want to talk about, and maybe we'll do Dealer's Choice. Do we want to talk about the weird cave, or do we want to talk about Ruch? Mm. <laughs> I guess Ruch would be a good place to start. Yeah, because I feel like the cave is has deeper, deeper yeah. meanings. The cave goes deep. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> um, so, Ruck, this was kind of a big thing for especially Legends fans. And fans of passwords. Passwords. Oh, sorry. It's bad reference. Oh, remember how, I, remember oh how, my God. I totally got it. And I remember how uh, it was, it was, Ruck was the password to get to unlock the, uh, I don't even remember. Yeah, Thrawn's like computer password is Ruck. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I love that because it's like your wife's name. <laughs> like their work wives. Or their pet. Yeah, their yeah, pet. Like totally exactly. It's 100% his pet. Um, but Ruck is a Legends character that was first introduced in Timothy Zahn's 1991 Star Wars Legends novel, Heir to the Empire. 
as the bodyguard of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm. He was kind of a fan favorite of a cool character in those books. I remember him quite distinctly. Mm. Um, he is a male Nogri. Does anyone know how to pronounce that? N-O-G-H-R-I. Nogri. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's Nogri. Nogri. Nogri? <laughs> From Horngrir? Onigr. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I- I don't know. But yeah, he's a bodyguard and assassin. Um, there isn't a lot of canonical information about Rook, even even now. So I'm going to go over some of the legend stuff, because first of all, it could give some background just to the character in general. Um, but also, I think it's really interesting how his story ended up. If Did either of you read the Heir to the, Heir to the Empire novels? Mm-hmm. Years ago, but and I don't remember yeah. any of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Hungrier was an astronomical object, evidently not a planet. It was an astronomical object located in the galaxy's outer rim territories near Kessel. And during the Clone Wars, it was not aligned with either side. But there was an ecological disaster when a core ship crashed to the surface and a toxin called, oh my gosh, there's so many hard things to pronounce in this, a toxin (laughs) called trithehexamorphine one one three eight evidently it got it leaked onto the planet and contaminated the entire planet ravaging its enti- its flora and destroying the ecosystem not the flora home planet anything but the flora <laughs> no not the flora <laughs> um over the past few months as the plains and jungles died the nogri became kind of nomadic people trying to find a place where they could survive and the galactic empire came in this is after the clone wars they came in and said hey um will if you give us your your fealty we'll clean everything up we'll give you a place to live i'd be and like so hell they, yeah they agreed mm-hmm. to that um, and so the Nogri became kind of, you know, partners with the empire. A lot of people went to become assassins and bodyguards because they're skilled warriors and they, the empire allegedly started cleaning up their home planet. How many bodyguards do you need though? Like a whole people? Yeah. Okay. They have a snow planet, they have a sand planet and they have a bodyguard planet. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It's Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. I buy it. But how Ruck gets into the story is Thrawn handpicked him as his assassin and bodyguard, and Ruck was a, a huge devotee of the Empire. He really drank the Kool-Aid. He fought mercil- mercilessly for Thrawn until one day he learned that the Empire was not, in fact, cleaning up his planet, but they were secretly destroying the planet and keeping the contagion there so that Whoa. they could subjugate the people. Dun, dun, dun. No. So... Spoilers for this novel, if you this 30-year novel. Um, <laughs> how it ends is during the last battle between the Empire and the New Republic, on the edge of Thrawn, he's about to defeat the New Republic and reinstate the Empire. Thrawn is on his ship, and Ruck comes up and plunges a knife into Thrawn's chest, no. killing him. Actually, I'm, I'm a genuinely <laughs> shocked. <laughs> I, know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, Ruck kills him in love. That's how it all ends and how the wow. New Republic is saved. Is That's Ruck dope. Does that and then he goes down great. on the ship. Yeah. That's very like Shakespearean. It right? is so Shakespearean. I love that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I also like how um, it really touches on something that's been uh, portrayed about the Empire recently and especially mm-hmm. in, like the Mando. Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. Where mm-hmm. they cause chaos in order to have people embrace them for yeah. the, for the quote unquote, you know, the, the, the order that they bring. Totally. Yeah. yeah so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Stirs. yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's I a great, it's a great tactic though. Like, uh, everything's messed up. I was just watching, um, I've been watching, rewatching legend of Korra. And there's season four, there's totally kind of a character like that who, like, she comes in, you know, and causes chaos. And it's like, hey, if you swear fealty to me, like, I'll put my army on this and we'll take care of it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Great show. Great show. Yeah. 
Oh, one detail that I really liked about the Nogri uh, that Pablo Hidalgo had mentioned in a Ripple's Recon episode. It was, mm-hmm. I think, for this episode. Um, but uh, he mentioned how they have such a keen sense of smell that they can s- smell who your lineage and yeah. your like bloodline or something like that. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what if this leads to Kanan and Ezra actually being related to each other? And uh, somehow yeah. and somehow Rook is the one that <laughs> puts it together. And then we learn through Rook that they are related. And of course that didn't happen, but <laughs> but oh, that's where my that mind cool. went. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's basically a drug dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I feel like that's such a weird idea, but I also like when Star Wars gets weird, so I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, I, I, I feel like there's like a, I might be completely making this up, but I feel like there's a time where in the Heir to the Empire novels, he like smells Luke and is yes. able to tell that oh, he's yeah. related to Vader. Mm-hmm. But I might be completely making that up. I, mm-hmm. I It's been a long time since I read those books. Um. But yeah, speaking of his nose as well, there's a cute little thing I saw that when they were designing Ruck, he has that little button nose. And originally it was like a lighter color. It was almost pinkish and they had to darken it because when he actually got on screen, he was too cute. They were worried (laughs) that people weren't going to be scared of him. (laughs) So now it's it's a little blacker and grayer. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. And also, his voice is provided by Star Wars veteran Warwick Davis. Yeah. So, I love that. Can't I love wait that for Willow. Going to watch yeah. the crap out of that. Oh, that's going to be so good. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for that as well. Yep. But yeah, how do you all feel about Ruck just in general? You rucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he rucked cool. you like a hurricane. Well, he feels genuinely uh, threatening, so it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when... Uh, he comes out of that ship and he starts running on all fours towards yeah. Ezra and Jaikel and they're like, what is that? Yeah. Anything that run, anything that's bipedal and then can go on all four. I'm like, Oh hell no. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> Something I thought was interesting is there was no actual set design in legends. Like any actual pictures of Rook were all fan pictures based mm-hmm. on the, what they described Rook as in the book. Um, so they kind of had to decide what Rook would look like. And they went with a much more like gorilla design. Um, Mm -hmm. he was much smaller than I, I, I anticipated seeing him on screen, which is a little off putting at first, but well, yeah, once he starts doing that crazy, like gorilla run, I was like, Oh no. Uh, uh." (laughs) bird pass. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. (laughs) I also like that Ezra, like, just like oh i got this handled and is like yeah. try and just be like oh I'll, I'll just do one of my stupid fake names again <laughs> he gets punched it, when has it ever worked it's worked, it's, worked, it's worked a couple times actually so <laughs> um but i do like how jaikel was there beside him um and i know a lot of people when watching this episode were like who's that <laughs> <laughs> because he was just briefly yeah, in that totally. one episode back in season one. But I, I do like how, <laughs> I guess he's an example of someone who is force sensitive, but just never practiced. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he's the, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of person. And I yeah. and I like how that recently was touched on as well in The Mandalorian. I'm like, oh, cool. So this is quote unquote canon yeah. now. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you don't practice it, you have the potential of losing it. Yeah. That's totally true. I, I like mean, that. Jaikel's better than the alternative was Matt Mort, Mort Matt, or Matt <laughs> Morton. And I'm just like, so I can't handle that character. Mort uh, Mattin? Yeah. Mort, Mort, Mort Maxim? Mort, yeah. M- m- yeah, that Mort, whatever Mort's name is. Ooh, can't handle Mort. Oh, don't worry. He'll show up before the oh, end of the season. Oh, he's a good kid. <laughs> Yeah, he just like if if you brought Mort into our world, his name would be like Chasen, like some combination of like Chase and Jason, and you just know he'd be so annoying. You'd be like, oh, That's, here comes Chasen again. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I have a very important question. Sure. Where does Ezra keep his lightsaber when he's disgri- when he's disguised as a, as a stormtrooper? That is a great question. Hmm. I'm not like, sure because he's not. It's not on his belt. Yeah, but all of a sudden he whips it out and just 
maybe, maybe I shouldn't use those words. Yeah, I was I describe it. <laughs> You've inferred where you think it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I'm it's a roundabout way of me saying clearly it's in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so dangerous because what if you accidentally <laughs> hit the button? I know, right? You singe whatever you have down there off. <laughs> I mean, it's a great way to let go of attachments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> uh, but I always think about that when it's like, because he's it's clearly not on his belt, and then all of a sudden he has a lightsaber in his hand, and it's happened a couple times. I mean, times. don't don't all stormtroopers have basically like a little fanny pack in the back? Yeah, but it's not big enough to have a lightsaber. I don't know. What else do they have in there? Just like snacks? Like that's where they know. keep their, that's where they keep their bars. Lip gloss. <laughs> no, it's definitely like power bars. They're all like the <laughs> peanut butter flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that brings us to, in the words of Zeb, getting weird is usually a good sign. Yeah. yeah. It's usually a, a good cave. Thing. And oh, I, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Getting weird is usually a good sign. In Rebels. Well, and in Clone Wars. And in life, bu- buddy. Oh, nice. Okay. The galaxy, it's like speaking to us. And <laughs> nice. I'm really yeah. workshopping this hippie character. Yeah. I love when he sees the Lothwolves and he's like, there, that's her way out. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just, I just I love how Ezra relies on nature to lead the way. Totally. <laughs> and I think it's thematically like it, it's such a cool, I think we've brought, we've touched on this so many times, but like he has a special connection to animals. So I like that kind of the conduits of the force, the spirit guides, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. is is nature for Ezra. And it it just it it works so well for that character. It does. Yeah. It's my favorite it's my favorite like force attunement. I, I guess it's kind of like all the Jedi are like vampires in uh would be the Twilight analog. They all have like a thing they're good at. Yeah. Like this one can I don't even know the I don't know Twilight well enough. I don't know. <laughs> this metaphor is getting weird. But uh of all the things I, I love like the being in tune with the animals. Um mm-hmm. and I think I've brought up like I, I think what's cool about Ezra being in tune with animals is in culture there's a in Western culture, oh maybe in other cultures, I don't know, there's this idea that those who are in tune with animals are often the forerunners of, um, or pathfinders in a way of the almost the better or the, the greater or like the more significant person to come. So like John the Baptist was super in tune with animals and came before Christ and oh, Ezra. Yeah, we, we talked about that on the last episode. Oh, okay. Which leads to Luke. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ah. But Ezra being in touch with animals and him being kind of the uh, almost clearing the way for Luke in so many ways. It, oh, that's it, fascinating. Yeah, it just it feels appropriate. And also I just yeah. like talking to animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's, he's a bridger too. A bridger. The Skywalkers, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which I think is a really nice thing. And I think, you know, there's yeah. a lot of mythology around wolves specifically as guides um, mm-hmm. and nature. And I think that's just some, whenever you bring in some cool mythology into Star Wars, I'm all about it. I'm always down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels better. Be- I mean, because it feels more, I mean, Star Wars is a, a fantasy more than a sci-fi. Yeah, totally. So there is a pack of wolves and they lead to... What is canonically called a hyper tunnel. Mm. Um, so we have been introduced recently in Star Wars to the term virgences in the force. Um, so across the galaxy, the Jedi refer to a handful of planets and locations and evidently people as virgences of the force. Mm. Um, it is this was described in the book Forces in Destiny. And they kind of are a nexus of power where the force flows extremely strongly through these virgences, invigorating and uplifting those with the skill to sense it. Mm. So Lothal is canonically one of these virgences in the force. Mm. And as we will see in upcoming episodes, Lothal being a virgence gives it access to great power. And this is one of the very first things. And I think this is such a cool, I don't like, I don't even know what else to say. It's just so cool. Like the way this was revealed, I remember not knowing any of this weird spirituality and mythology was coming. And all of a sudden there 
in this weird transported temple thing that we mm. know later on will be the world between worlds. But at the time, just I remember it blowing my mind and being like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And I love how Ezra's eyes uh, show that connection and how you saw it previously with the Purgle in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also love how maybe they didn't have it completely fleshed out this whole idea, but I like how Maketh Tua had mentioned it way back in season two yeah. about how Palpatine had more sinister things in mind, um, and how only a few knew. And so, yeah, I, I like how it was insinuated way back, but, uh, we get to see it unfold in these episodes, what it is exactly that Palpatine's after. Totally. Yeah. The, the, mm. the story, like the mythology of it is so fun to me and the story building of it, because yeah, I wrote that exact quote at before her death in season two, she said the empire's true mission on Lothal, a mission ordered by the emperor himself. Yeah. So really setting up the stage that there's more to Lothal than meets the eye. And also just the history that we see later that like the Jedi were able to understand these virgences and kind of know that there was something to protect. And so that's why there's a Jedi temple on Lothal is Mm. the specific reason that they built that there was to protect this virgins from sinister people like the emperor. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, there was a book that was recently published by um, Pablo Hidalgo and Cole Horton and Dan Zur um, that is talking about creatures, and they specifically talk about Lothwolf abilities. And I thought this was kind of an interesting quote. They said, A select few creatures in the galaxy have force powers that give them a mythic quality. One such animal is the Lothwolf, a creature of legend previously known only in ancient cave paintings. While everything organic is connected to the Force, Loth wolves act with purpose, guarding the light side of the Force on Lothal. These majestic creatures are able to speak basic, but rarely opt to do so, <laughs> and they have remarkable <laughs> just powers. basic. They hold know, on, right? specifically basic. Like, yeah, they that's weird. They, no, there's one guy who studied in Hatties in high school in Loth Wolf <laughs> High School. <laughs> well, it's just weird. It just seems so specific. Like it, not like they can communicate with other beings. It's just they could speak basic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Um, but I like that idea because I think that's something that's, you know, we've been told over and over that like the force connects every living thing. And so that's not necessarily special. It's the fact that the loath wolves have a purpose. They act with purpose. Um, and I think that we will see that unfold more and more in the episodes coming up. That's a really cool idea to me. Mm. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing that is interesting is that um, it raises, they said that it raised the possibility um, because we'll see later on that there is some sort of connection to the Loth Wolves and the Jedi with the temple and some of the cave paintings that we see um, that it, there is some people have said that it raises the possibility that Loth Wolves are essentially the spirits of Jedi who lived and died on Lothal in the past, explaining mm. why they sunk slunk into the shadows when the dark side was dominant in the galaxy. You know, I remember feeling this sense of this is going against everything that we know because <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we know that in the things that we've seen from Star Wars The Clone Wars, that a Jedi can manifest their identity after death if they do these sort of practices that Yoda and Obi-Wan have gone through. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we get to a little bit further down the line with Rebels, it's implied that Kanan um, has like a different uh, outcome for himself. And... And at the time, I remember feeling this can't be because we, 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 you know, we have it all laid out how it is and, and how it's supposed to be. But there's so much out there about the galaxy that we, about this galaxy and then, of course, in Star Wars galaxy that we don't know how things work. Mm-hmm. That it's completely possible that maybe wolves are that a, a different sort of a different version of a force ghost and, yeah, and, and totally. how they these uh, Jedi, force sensitive Jedi are um, manifest themselves after death. So, mm. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's like if you do the regular meditation, then you be, get to become a force ghost. But if you do the radical meditation, then you get to join the wolf pack. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, Woo! And then you just like. And then you have to fight around. NWO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so it seems like there is heavy implications on the episode to come doom. Mm-hmm. Um, that what you're saying there, which I hadn't heard before. It seems like it pretty clearly, you know, jumping the gun here. Well, maybe I won't, I won't give away what happens in future episodes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we could go around it, but I think, I don't think there's a definitive answer. And I was tracking kind of what you were asking. I think that there's, they're even being careful here to say like, some people think that it's the spirits of Jedi. So I think it's, again, you know, Star Wars in a lot of ways is better when it's not explained. Yes. That something weird is happening with the force. With Always. these wolves and with people who have been lost, and it's cool. <laughs> I think I'm just willing to just blanket statement just say it's cool. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather that than an explanation. Yeah. Speaking of cool, I want to talk about these cave drawings, um, which show some really fun stuff. Did you see that there's a Yoda a Grogu? drawn on the cave? A, a Grogu? Grogu? Yeah, my, maybe it's a Grogu. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, so it think that looking at the cave drawings as they go through this cave, it's some really interesting stuff, and it seems to show kind of whoever the first people were on Lothal and them being visited by the Jedi. And we know it's Jedi yeah. because it's not just a picture of Yoda, but he has a lightsaber on his belt. I like to think this is how. Game of Thrones and uh, Star Wars crossover. That's just, <laughs> yeah, the, first, that's just the first man. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think that sets up some really interesting mytho- mythology of like, is this a historical representation of when the Jedi first came to build the temple to protect the virgins on the planet? And if it is, was Yoda literally there? Or is we all know that there's going to be some funky, funky time stuff. So maybe... There's some funky time stuff with these drawings as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I always got the impression that this was some sort of prophecy that they put down on the wall. Yeah. Because there's this ongoing theory within a certain fan, a part of the fan community, that Kanan is somehow a son of of Lothal. And uh, mm. that's why there's these connections with him to Lothal. And uh, how he could possibly be a man from a different point in time because of the world between worlds. And so uh, I always found it interesting that we have this, this, these hieroglyphs on the wall and uh, how they could possibly be related to Kanan and how that little baby might be him and his destiny, a quote unquote destiny to save Lothal. That's crazy. Yeah, because there's definitely a... There's a picture of a baby on there too, so that lends the question of like who's the child of Lothal, right? Um, and there's also, I don't know if this ties in at all, but it looks like uh, the brother's flying bat. If you remember the force being named the brother from Clone yeah. Wars, he can turn into a flying bat. Yeah. So yeah, might just be a loath bat, but also that some people have said that that there might be. Um, inferences to the father, son, and or the father, son, and daughter on these cave paintings as well, which just brings some really cool mystery and mythology, which I love. Yeah. Um, I also just want to point out if we're done talking about the cave stuff, that in my opinion, this move that Hera does, where she flies through the the docking bay, is the coolest piloting in all of Star Wars, in my opinion. I completely agree. <laughs> I freaking oh, love that. I think it's so fun. And I feel like I missed this. Oh no, yeah, it backs up. It's like there's that there's like a space station outside or like some sort of defense station and there's a it's one of those things that has like a docking bay where you could see like it's like a tunnel where you can fly through at slow speeds. Hmm. And when she escapes, she jumps to hyperspace through that and like huh. blows up. The oh dock. yeah, that's right. That's really it's, cool. It was really fun. Which and kind it of lands- sets the uh, stage for the Holdo maneuver. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, it sets the stage for my argument that Hera is the best pilot in the galaxy, which is my opinion. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm on that same boat too. Cause yeah. 
it's one thing if you can handle something like the Millennium Falcon, but if you can handle several different types of ships and do several different maneuvers to escape, yeah, I think she's one of the best, if not the best. Yep. Hmm. And so the last, the last thing that I had, at least, was just they, they talk about, and they mention it again, that the, the Empire is doing something worse to Lothal than what the Rebels already know. So, like, you know, we, we, we discussed in previous episodes how shocking just the topography of Lothal has changed, how the, there's literally fields of fire now on the planet yeah. and pollution and the rivers are running black. Um, and so that seems pretty bad, but we are pretty clearly shown that the Empire is doing even worse that we don't know yet. And I'm excited to unpack that as we move forward in episodes. Yeah. I'm excited for you guys to unpack it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, um, you'll be along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did anyone else have any other notes? Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, it's always nice to drop the Princess Mononoke uh, uh, yeah. comparison. Yeah, hundred oh, yeah. percent. Big time. Yeah, it's undeniable. It's yeah. It's so yeah. It's 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 it's, it's blatant. But I love it. Yeah. <laughs> How we like to end every episode of Rebels Rebels is that we give the episode we just watched a grade. Based on an arbitrary grading scale. Not arbitrary. Scientific. Scientific grading scale. <laughs> um, Mike, would you like to explain our grading scale and maybe give an example of yours? Sure. So on a scale of this on a scale of our most favorite thing to our least favorite thing currently. Mm-hmm. So my current most favorite thing in Star Wars um, is Ben explaining the larger world to Luke for the first time inside his Tatooine abode uh, to my current least favorite thing is the Raylo relationship. Um, just don't, I'm not a big fan, but if you're a big fan, I like you. Um, so I was trying to soften the blow there. Um, <laughs> so I would give this episode on that scale, actually based on something I mentioned, I'm going to give it a, the moment that Leia kisses Luke in the medical bay of uh, on Hoth, which I thought was really fun, <laughs> really funny. Uh, it's totally unlike the kiss here because this one was not romantic. That one it was like a jabbing at Han Solo. But this one, like if I think about this episode, that's the moment I think about, to be honest. Um, and it's, it's great. It's a great moment. Um, probably the best... Um, one of the, yeah, the best really romantic relationship in Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, so this episode is an A, just a solid A. How about you, Pete? Cool. Um, my favorite thing in Star Wars right now is that video on YouTube of the little girl dressed as Rey at Disneyland using the force to turn away bad guys. And my least favorite thing right now is Rey Palpatine. And between (laughs) those two things, I give this episode just Empire Strikes Back. Just straight up, I think... It reveals things. It sets the stage. I just think it's a home run. Uh, this is an A+. Plus. I really loved it. Let's see. So on a scale of Pedro Pascal's beautiful face. <laughs> <laughs> nice. His manicured mustache. Yes. To uh, Ahsoka's appearance in season two of The Mandalorian. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yes, I have thoughts. Um, we, I think we feel the same. I think oh. we feel the same. We 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 have a rant about it, but yeah. Oh, cool. okay. <laughs> I give this episode a Fennec Shand appearing in the Bad Batch trailer. Mm. I thought that was super cool. So the you know yeah. this awesome moment, and this episode also had plenty of awesome moments. And I also love it when Star Wars goes into weird places. So all that equates to an A plus for me. Beautiful. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for joining us again, Jonah Marie. 
Would you like to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Sure. I'm always happy to talk Star Wars Rebels with friends. But uh, you can find me on Twitter with the handle at BlueJayGuys. And you can also find my writings at RadicalGrid.com. And um, hopefully my mom and I will be back on the podcasting stage soon to talk about the Bad Batch Batch show. So uh, you can find our show uh, at GeekyBubblePod. Hopefully, I am looking forward to that. You can find us at Rebels Rebels Pod on Gmail and Instagram, and you can send us an email and send us a Star Wars haiku or a poem, and we will read it on the show. And speaking of which, we got a lovely one. Mm-hmm. Mike, do you have it up? Do you want to read it, or should I? I'll go ahead. I'm going to read this. You have a better reading voice. I'd, I'd prefer if you did it. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> um, this is a, a great poem. I'm going to read that. Uh, someone sent. I'll remember Ahsoka when I feel alone. I'll remember Thrawn when my emotions are hard as stone. I'll remember Hera and follow where life leads. I'll remember Lothal when I see someone in need. I'll remember Zeb when I feel all alone. I'll remember Sabine when I start to hate my own name. I'll remember Kanan when it feels like others are blind. I'll remember Ezra when I'm scared of my own mind. I'll remember Chopper when someone saves my life. I'll remember Rex when I'm consumed with strife. I'll remember Phoenix Squadron when someone goes higher. I'll remember them all because I'm a rebel for life. Oh, nice. Wonderful, right? Yeah. So thank you, Veronica Skywalker Whitney, for that lovely poem. Uh, It's great. Yeah. yeah, they left a little note, which is nice that this is from Ezra's point of view, which I think is really lovely yeah. because, especially, no spoilers, but as Ezra's story ends, the idea of Ezra remembering his family is something that I think is very powerful and I really like it. So, thank you for sending that. I thought it was very lovely. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. So, you send us a poem, you send us a haiku, we'll read it. Yeah. And yep. remember, until next time, to be brave out there and don't look back. Bye. Oh, I can hear you. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. don't stop our backup recordings. I'm glad we did that. Wait, hold on, Johnny. Can you hear Peter? I can't. Okay, so I can hear both of you, and you guys can't hear each other. This is oh awesome. Oh my gosh! I have, so much power. <laughs> I have so much power. All right, Peter. Jonah Marie just said you're an asshole. Oh no! Oh my god, <laughs> Jonah Marie. Peter just said that. I don't know. I can't think of anything. <laughs>